Well, what's up, everybody? Hope you're doing great and having a wonderful day. It is wonderful to see you, all of you that are here in the auditorium. Those of you that are watching online, thanks so much for connecting with us virtually. You are absolutely part of us. And this is a great season uh, for us as a church. Uh, we are doing amazing things. God is doing incredible things in us and through us. And, and so over the last several years, we have launched out on a building project. I don't know if you've been by the property at all, but there's things that are continuing to progress and, and take place. It's so amazing. It's so wonderful uh, to see you know, what God is doing and, and that we're, you know, we're going to have a home uh, at some point in time. You know, for us, we're a portable church and have been a portable church for a long time. Uh, so we're excited to have a permanent facility. And so uh, we have launched out on a Building a Legacy campaign. And so this is actually phase two of our Building a Legacy campaign and actually round two, because we launched phase two back in, in January and February of earlier this year. And so once all the pandemic hit, we didn't talk about it at all. We just didn't feel like it was appropriate. We, so we pushed it aside, put it on the shelf. So now we're to the point where we're relaunching that, laying it out. And I just want to say a big thank you to those of you that pledged in the spring and have continued to give over these last eight months. Like, that's amazing. Like, there's so many of you that have done that. You've allowed us to get us to the place where we are, and that's so exciting. But with, there's so many new people in our church and, and, and people who didn't have an opportunity to pledge back in the spring, and, and so we just wanted to relaunch. So this is the Building a Legacy Phase 2, Round 2. Uh, so I wanted to share just a few things with you because in order to understand where we're going, sometimes we have to look at where we've been. And so when you look at some of the things that God has done in our past, it's incredible. I mean, it's miraculous. So when we launched out on the Building a Legacy, it was, it was four years ago. It was October of 2016. And so over, over two years, we raised $1.4 million, which is incredible. It's amazing. It's miraculous. Like, that's, that's so much money. And so we just we celebrate that over two years. And so in, in launching that in October of 2016, there in January of 2017, we purchased land. Uh, we purchased 8.7 acres for just under half a million. And so when you understand the numbers and the math and how that works, that leaves us about $900,000 uh, still in the bank. And so that's how it works now. So when you look at the current numbers, uh, the building a legacy balance is, is $900,000, and we're continuing to pay for the site cost. So we're using that cash right now to pay site costs. Our site costs are 700000 and then the construction of the building itself is, is 2.4. So that's where you get a total of $3.1 million for the whole project. So we had 900000 in cash that we're using, and so we, we're borrowing $2.2 million, and we signed that contract earlier this year, and the bank has been very patient with us because the last eight months, all of us have had to have just an exponential amount of patience and understanding, and so the bank has been understanding with that, so that's fantastic. So we're moving forward. We have everything for the building, and, and here I just wanted to show you a couple of quick pictures. Here's just the site plan of the, of the building. So you have a, a, the, the drive-in, you have the parking, you have our building itself, you have a retention pond, which is required because we get hurricanes and lots of rain, and then you have just the, the building itself where you have an auditorium that seats about 400 people. You have some multi-purpose rooms. And so we're super excited about what God is doing to get us to that facility. And so we're anticipating it could be, you know, September, October of, of 2021 when we get to move in. And so you know how it is when you moved into your dorm room, you needed some 
some furniture, when you moved into your first apartment or your first house or, or the house that you just moved into, you know, maybe you went from a, a three-bedroom to a four-bedroom, and so you buy furniture for those rooms. And so that's where we're at as a church. We have everything covered for the building itself and for the construction. So now, phase two of building a legacy is what we call the FF&E and the AV&L, which is the furniture, furnishings, and equipment, and the audiovisual and lighting. And so our budget for this capital campaign total in, 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 in total is $434,000. Now, what we've done is we're able to launch this out to you and present it to you as $217,000 because what's happened is there is a, a, an incredibly generous family that has said, hey, we're going to do matching funds. Uh, whatever comes in from the church, we'll match it dollar for dollar. So we need $434,000, but because of a matching gift, which is amazing, right? I mean, so every dollar that you give is actually $2. We as a church need to raise $217,000. That's where you get the current numbers. And the thing that's awesome is this past spring, there was $89,000 that have been pledged and people have continued to give on that. So what that puts us at is a, a current goal of $128,000 pledged that will be matched that gets us to our goal. Now, the reason I share this, this, so when you look at this, a lot of people go, wow, you know, so much money was raised several years ago. And, and so to me, when I, when I look at the, the whole spectrum of what's going on, when you say $120,000, some people might go, wow, that just seems like a lot. It's, it's, when you look at the whole picture, it's 3% remaining on the balance of the whole project. Because the whole entire project will cost us about $4 million. So we're so close. Like, we're so close. And so what we want to do is we want you to pray and talk to your spouse if you're married. We want you to look at your budget. And so in your seat, what we've done is we've given you a, a, a Building a Legacy pledge card. And so this pledge card is extremely important uh, because what it does is it allows us to budget for the things that we're going to buy because that's how we work. As a church, as a ministry, with, with, with finances and budgeting, you know, we, we lay out a plan on, on what we can do. We don't overspend, and so the, these cards are extremely important for, for us to see where we're, where we're going to be at and how we're to move forward, the equipment that we can actually buy, and the money that we'll have. And so what we're asking is that you would pray and that you would consider that you would make a pledge uh, towards this, that you would fill out the card and that you would turn it in and submit it over these next couple of weeks. Uh, and so here's what I need you to do. I need you to look at your budget, whether you're a single person, uh, whether you're a single parent, whether you're married, dual income, whatever it is, I need you to look at your budget and I need you to talk to those that are close to you and I need you to pray and ask the Lord. Because uh, for us here at Grace Church, we believe that all the resources that we're in control of are actually the Lord's. And we think we're in control of them, but really God gives, us to, give them, gives them to us for us to manage them. And so we, we're asking that you would ask the Lord uh, and pray and say, okay, God, you know, I, I'm in this church. I like it. It's pretty cool. They're doing a building. You're obviously doing something significant in the church to, to allow them to get to this place, and I want to be a part of that. Because here's, here's, where, here's where my heart comes in. I, the things that I promote, the things that I'm willing to talk about and raise money for, I believe in. So if you, if you have a Girl Scout, you go and you sell cookies, and we all buy them because they're amazing. And so, but if, you, if you're on a sports team or if you're a student and, and you're taking you know, piano lessons, you pay for those lessons. You invest in the things that are important to you, right? That's what we all do. And so for me, I believe in this. 
My, my family has given personally to this. And so I would ask that you would join, join on this train because God is doing amazing things. And so we just ask that you would pray, that you would consider, you would talk to your spouse, and then decide what level you're going to give. Uh, because every single one of us, we give at a certain level. Right now, you might not give financially at all. You're not, you might not give anything. And so, uh, but some of you, you give a percentage gift. Like you look at your total income and you go, okay, you know, we're going to give this percent. Uh, obviously, we, you know, many of us are aware in Scripture it talks about giving 10% back to the Lord. Uh, some of you decide to give just a, a dollar amount. You say, okay, I can do $50 or $100 or $250 or $1,000 a month, whatever it is, however it works in your budget, you decide. Right? You, as you pray, as you worship God, you're the one that determines and makes those decisions. So what we're asking is that you would also include building a legacy as part of your giving. So we have our general operating account that the church needs and to, to function, and then the legacy money is on top uh, of giving. And so we would ask that you would, for some of you, you need to sacrifice a little bit. That means not, not buying coffee, or that means not eating out, or not, you know, maybe waiting to, to buy the new vehicle that you're hoping to purchase. And, and so anytime you read in Scripture, when you talk about, you know, giving and being generous, usually there's some level of sacrifice. So some of you, to do $300 is a sacrifice. It's a major sacrifice to make a 12-month commitment to do $300, and that's awesome. And so the, the way fundraising works is we need 50 of you to commit to $300 a month. We need 25 of you that'll say, okay, $600, uh, I'm sorry, I meant $300 a year, $600 a year. I need 25 people to commit to $600 a year. Uh, we, we need 20 people to commit to $1,000 a year. We need, we need 15 people to say, you know what, we can do $2,000 a year. We need 10 people to say $5,000 the next year. You know, we need three people that'll say $10,000 over this next year. We'll make the commitment, we'll make the pledge, and we can do that as a family. We, we, you know, we'll do the $833 a month, and we'll do $10,000. So that, that's how it works. Like that's how, it, and, and all, just about all of us have been part of a campaign or fundraising in some regard. So I would ask that you would pray, that you would make a commitment, that you would turn in the pledge card uh, and begin giving. Uh, for those of you that are online, you can go to gracechurch.life and you can click on building a legacy. And that, that's how it works. It's, it's that simple. But so this is where our heart is. This is where God is leading. And so we are so close. We just would ask that you would join on, on and get on board and, and, and be faithful and give and continue to give, whether it's weekly or monthly, over the next 12 months as God continues to unfold with what he's doing in us and through us and in our church. And so we're so excited about that. And so we hope that you would ha have those discussions and submit the, the Building a Legacy pledge card over these next couple of weeks. And so as we move forward in this service, you know, it's, it, as we transition, I wanted to talk about the build, Building a Legacy and give you that opportunity, but I'm also so very excited about this series that we're in. We're in an incredible series called The Holy Spirit Revealed. And so anytime, you know, you're talking about the Holy Spirit, you have to bring props. You know, I don't know if you like props or not of visual aids, but today I'm going to be talking about spiritual warfare. And so when you, when you talk about spiritual warfare, like you have to bring your sword. Like I, I, don't know how, I don't know if you carry your sword around with you to the grocery store, you know, when you carry it to work and you're walking around, you got your shield and your sword and you're pretty cool and stuff. I know I do. I just walk around and people are like, wow, like that's so cool. And so usually this sword is hanging in my office. 
And, and so this is, you know, there was a gift from, from one of my bosses in my previous church that, that I worked in. So I, this sword is really important to me, has a lot of meaning. So it actually hangs in my office, you know, near my books and stuff. And so I got to tell you a little bit of, of a story about this sword. So I'm talking about spiritual warfare, but this sword hangs like this in my office. And so it was probably about maybe three years ago now that I, I was moving one of the bookshelves in my office. And so this, this sword sits on the wall on a mount. And so it just kind of sits like that. Well, I was moving this bookshelf, and all of a sudden, my shoulder accidentally bumped this part of the sword. And then the sword conveniently rocked off of the mount and then went right through my foot. As I'm standing there... You know, you're going, oh my gosh, did that really just happen? And people ask me all the time, they go, did it stick in your foot? Just for like a split second. What it did is it went down in through my foot and broke one of the bones in my foot. It totally went through and hit the bottom, hit the concrete. And then, of course, because the handle is so heavy, it just, it fell over. So it didn't like stand in my foot and I didn't pull it out, thank the Lord. Like it actually like fell over and in my foot. And so at the time, you know, I'm going, oh my gosh, like I'm, I'm, like I'm bleeding. I didn't know at the time that I had broken one of the bones in my foot, and so it hurts incredibly. You know, the, you know that plastic pad that you put down on the carpet when you have your office chair so you don't ruin the carpet? I'm bleeding on that pad. Like, I don't want to have blood all over the carpet, so I'm bleeding on that, that plastic piece, that you know, the, the carpet protector, and I call my wife. And so, just so you know, I am a little bit of a prankster, like a lot of bit of a prankster, and so I, I do jokes. And so when you, when you make the phone call to tell your wife to say, I stabbed myself in the foot with my sword, they're not going to believe you. They're not going to believe you, just so you know. And, and many of you, if you've never heard this story before, you, you didn't believe it till I, to, till I told you, and maybe even now you're questioning it, but it's real. I can show you the scar. I have the x-rays and, and the works. But my wife didn't believe me till she could sense there was a tremble in my voice and my lips started to quiver, and I was like, no, I really need you to come and get me and drive me somewhere to somebody that can help me because I'm bleeding. And so I'm squeezing the wound like to stop the blood because I've seen that in movies before. So I'm squeezing it, but it hurts like crazy because I had broken one of the bones in my foot and I didn't know it. So she comes and rescues me, takes me, you know, I get some stitches and, and that kind of thing. But so be careful. You know, when you have your sword and, and, and just so, but we're talking about spiritual warfare. So the re I wanted to bring my sword. I wanted to tell that story because spiritual warfare is real. It is more than just a prop. Uh, it's, it's, it's something that we have to be a part of. And so there's a, a couple of common mistakes that happen in churches when you start talking about spiritual warfare. One is that churches will overemphasize spiritual warfare where they'll blame everything on the devil. They see a demon behind every bush. The, the, you know, oh my gosh, my, my car battery, it died. It was the devil. Like the, no, you literally, you left your lights on. Like, I'm sorry. You know, and so does the devil attack in certain ways? Where if your vehicle breaks down when you're on the way to church, yeah, that might be the enemy working against you. But when you and I do silly things, like we can blame the devil, but I think just so many times some people just, they hyper-spiritualize that scenario, and they'll overemphasize it in a lot of ways. And then the other extreme happens all the time as well, where churches and people, they'll underemphasize it. They'll go, oh, no, 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 no. That's not real. The devil is not real. Hell is not real. That's not him working against me. No way. 
And, and they'll either ignore it or push it aside or pretend it's not there. So both, I would say, are, are unhealthy because spiritual warfare is real. We do have an enemy, and I want to talk about it. And I want to talk about it in a real, relevant, and powerful way to empower us to act and move carrying our sword that we can fight in the spirit realm. And so I want to share with you a verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. It says, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. And so we live in a physical realm. Like You and I are physical people. We have skin, we have flesh, we have bones. We see, we have to eat, to, to consume, to, to feed our body. But there's another world. We have to recognize it. And it's one that we don't fight with guns. We don't fight with mi missiles. We don't fight with cybersecurity. We fight with prayer. And so what I want to do is I want to pause right now and pray that we would get in the right place spiritually to receive God's word as we dive in deep in talking about spiritual warfare. So Lord God, we come before you. And Father, we fully acknowledge there are some things about this that we don't understand. Lord, sometimes we've seen it and we, we, we maybe didn't recognize it, but it's real and relevant. So Lord, would you speak to us through the power of your Holy Spirit, through your word, through your scripture, would you communicate the things that we need to know? the way that we can be on the offensive, the, weak, the way that we can defend ourselves, the way that we can attack and understand spiritual warfare. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, we're going to be in there. If you have your Bible app, you can open up your, your Bible app to Ephesians 6. Uh, so Ephesians is one of those very prominent uh, chapters that talks about spiritual warfare and the armor of God. And so that's where we're going to be. And just so you understand the, the context of Ephesians, uh, th the Apostle Paul is the author of the, the book of Ephesians. And Paul actually wrote a number of different letters and books in the New Testament because he would go and plant churches in different cities and then he would write letters back to those churches to give them instructions. So that's where we find our Holy Scripture. So Paul is writing a letter to, to the church in Ephesus. And, and the, this letter is about six chapters. So the, the six chapter is what we're going to be focusing on. So anytime you're writing a letter or a paper, a term paper, or your thesis, right, you're writing all this stuff, but you want a strong closing. And that's where Paul is. Like, he's closing strong. He's coming to the end of his letter, and he's going to bring it. So we find ourselves in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, where he says, Hey, a final word. You need to get this. You need to understand this. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So we need to understand, like Paul is telling us, you need to be strong in his mighty power. Not your own power, not your own authority, or, or your own physical strength. We want to be strong in his mighty power because you're not strong enough to make it on your own. So be strong in the Lord in his power because when we are relying on our own power, we're pushing God's power away from us. So we're becoming self-reliant or prideful or self-righteous. And that actually is in opposition to what the Lord wants because the Lord wants us to be humble. He wants us to be reliant upon him, have complete dependency upon him in his authority and how he speaks. And so Paul continues in verse 11. He says, hey, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all of the strategies of the devil. And so we're, we're going to have spiritual warfare that we'll encounter because we have an enemy that we're going to fight. So I want to tell you, some people just kind of push the devil aside and pretend he's not there. He is real. He is acting and he's moving against you. And so he's planning, 
He's plotting, he's scheming, he's devising a plan against you right now. He knows where you're weakest. Whenever you have a city, you know, a city often would have walls around it or a moat or, or areas where they would build up strength to defend themselves. You and I are the same way. But then there's also weaknesses that we have. So he, his desire is to pull us away from God. So he put, lays out temptations for us to draw us away from God's presence. And all, that's very easy for him to do when we're self-reliant. So we've got to be reliant upon the Lord's power and focusing on him and waging war against the enemy in the full strength of the Lord. He continues in verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And so our battle is not against other people. Our battle's not against our spouse. If you're married, your spouse is not your enemy. Okay, we're supposed to be joined together with them. And in fact, in Ecclesiastes 4, it says standing back to back where we can fight against others. Your, your enemy is not your boss. Like you may think that, you're there, that they're your enemy and they're out to get you and attack you, but that's, they're, not your, they're not your enemy. Your, your enemy is not your mother-in-law. Like she's like... She might be a challenge at times, but she's not your enemy. Now, but the enemy may be the faster person in the toilet paper aisle right now. I'm just saying, like, they might be your enemy. You might need to, like, kind of throw a little elbow there when you're flying down the toilet paper aisle, like, when the store... But, I mean, do you get it? Like, do you understand? I mean, so our enemies are not in the physical realm. It's in the spiritual realm. So we have to have eyes to see what's really, truly going on instead of what our, what our physical eyes see, to have spiritual eyes. Now, there are times, many times, when the spiritual world influences the physical world. And we'll see that from time to time. But the physical realm is not all there is to see. So we have to have eyes to see like God sees, to see spiritually in what's going on. And so I want to share these verses with you in these scripture because we need a spiritual warfare perspective. Some of us need to understand that we're being attacked and we need to be able to defend ourselves. Some of us need to understand that we can go on the offensive and not allow the enemy to come against us all the time. That we can be strong and courageous and we can carry a shield and carry a sword and use our sword and attack. And so I just want to share, with it, share that with you because where is the enemy attacking you? When you look at your life, where is he attacking you? It may be in your thoughts. He often comes and tries to occupy our mind and, and cause our thoughts to stray from godly things and, and to, to focus on evil things. The enemy will come against our emotions. He'll, he'll lead us astray and cause our emotions to get stirred up where, where we're distracted and we're pulled away or, or, or we're reliant upon ourselves or it may be our relationships. There are times when people come into our lives and instead of helping us to move closer to the Lord, they actually are pulling us away farther. It could be that there are some challenges in your marriage. I mean, let's be honest. The enemy will attack in our marriage to bring division. He'll attack our kids many times. I know for me, just speaking openly, a lot of men struggle with just visual things and, and being tempted with visual images. And, and you know, I, I'm a dude, like I'm a stud. So there are times, like I have to, I have to recognize that and, and see those visual sexual temptations. And so I have to be on guard. 
I have to be on guard. And there are ways to create boundaries and separations and, and have accountability. Like I have accountability in my life. You know, there's, there's people that I tell 100% of the things that I'm struggling with. I also have covenant eyes. Like, so my, my, my devices like have, have a boundary. I, I put up a moat. I put up a wall to create separation there. And so you have to recognize where you're being tempted, where, you, where you're weak, where you're vulnerable. So what are some of those battles that you've faced before where you constantly see the enemy coming against you? And the reason I want you to bring that to the forefront of your mind in your spiritual life is because I want to give you a new perspective. I want to give you a spiritual warfare perspective that you no longer have to be defeated in that particular area, but you can have victory. So we need this. Every single one of us, we need these verses. We need to apply it to our life. We have to be aware that we have a spiritual enemy. So what I want to do in talking about this is I want to I just kind of give you some of the, the realistic characteristics of the enemy, uh, the enemy that you and I fight, the characteristics of the devil. Here are the things that he's going to do. The first thing he's going to do is he wants to steal God's word away from you. We find this in Matthew 13, 19. He said, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. So maybe in the past, maybe you had just a spiritual experience or you went to a conference or you were in a Bible study or you were reading, reading a particular chapter or verse and all of a sudden you go, wow, that, that's pretty neat, that's exciting. I need to learn more about that. I need to understand that. I need to do more research. You go to sleep. You wake up the next day, and it's gone. It literally has been snatched. It, it disappears, and it, it's removed, and you never go back to really do the research on what you wanted to learn about. The seed that God had planted is now snatched and gone. It may be something seemingly insignificant, like being able to pay attention. That's a challenge for many of us, to, to pay attention. We, we hear something, we go, wow, and all of a sudden our mind just goes, not, not in two different ways, but in a thousand different directions. Our mind just spins like out of control. We're thinking about lunch, we're thinking about work, we're thinking about our kids, we've got to change our oil. Like All of a sudden, you're like God is trying to plant this seed of his word in our spiritual life, and the enemy brings all these distractions, and we don't even remember, because why? Because the devil does not want us to learn scripture. He doesn't want us to memorize it. He doesn't want us to apply it to our life. He wants us to be biblically illiterate. If you look at your spiritual life right now, would you be in the category of biblically illiterate? Where you don't know God's word. You're not sure what it says. And so I just, I want to challenge you. Do you know God's word? Because that's the way we battle against the enemy. Because he's going to try and steal God's word, and that's one of the things that we've got to stand on. We have to have biblical principles that we're applying in our life every single moment of every single day. Do you know God's word? If you don't, we have resources that we can give to you that you can apply in your life to walk this out, where you can just absorb God's word. And instead of being vulnerable, that can be a strength as you fight against the enemy. Because the second thing that the devil will do, along with stealing God's word, is he'll set traps to ensnare us. 
I don't know if you've ever uh, heard of this show called Alone. What a terrible name for a show. Who wants to be alone? So anyways, the, on this show, that these people, they, they, they pick 10 people. It's a reality show. They go out into the wilderness where there's nobody. Uh, it could be you know, up north where it's cold or in swamps or just these really obscure places where there's no civilization at all. And they put all these 10 people out and they see who can last the longest alone. So, you know, some people, they, they make it about three hours because they, you know, they stub their toe and they're like, oh, no, my toe, and I can't make it. They call in the helicopter and rescue. Some people make it three days because they can't find water. Some people struggle to find food, you know, at the beginning, and, 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 and they may make it a few weeks. But in some of these shows, it's gone on for multiple seasons. I mean, we're talking like 70 days or 80 days, 90 days alone, no contact with other people other than the camera that they have to video themselves on. So what these people would have to do is they would have to set traps to snare food, you know, on, on game trails and little animals and stuff because you have to have protein. And so they're setting these traps so that they can, they can have, have sustenance. And so I wanted to share with you, the devil will set traps against you to try and ensnare you. I mean, this happens to us all the time because maybe just maybe the story in your life is maybe you recognized who you were. You didn't want to stay in that place and you knew you need to make some changes, right? I mean, I get it. I've made changes in my life. Hopefully you have as well. But usually what happens is that particular area that we want to make a change, that's where the enemy is going to attack. That's where the enemy is going to set a snare. Because we're trying to make a lifestyle change, and then he wants to tempt us to fall back into the same sins that we're trying to break free of. A great example is drinking. Oh, it's the holidays. I, I, I need to break free from drinking. Oh, but it's the holidays. Go to a party. I, like, I have to drink. Your friend's throwing a party, and you're like, man, this is just it's consuming my life. Instead of you know, this just being a small, menial thing, it just seems like every single day. Every moment of every day, that's what I think about it, and I'm having alcohol every day, every weekend, and so here you are, I want to break free, and then you, know, you, you get invited to another holiday party, and you know what's, like, so we have to be aware of the snares in the chat. Maybe, maybe you decide, you know what, I want to up my game in my relationship with the Lord, and you go, I want to be more faithful to him, I want to honor him, I want to bless him, I want to have more time in the mornings with him. I promise you that there's going to be distractions in the morning, you know, things that you have to do that, that the enemy will try and trap you. Maybe you say, you know what, I, I need to stop gossiping, I'm talking too much about other people behind their back. I'm talking negatively about them, I don't want them to do that to me, so why am I doing that to them? I'll tell you what, I promise you that very next day, there's going to be an opportunity for you to say something negative about somebody else, whether in your family or at work or... I mean, so it's going to come. And so that's why we need friends. We need relationships. We have connection groups here at Grace Church. That's why we have each other. We need true accountability with other people to recognize the traps that the enemy's laying out for us. Because in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25, it says, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they will have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. And so we're better together. We need each other. We need these types of relationships. Because if you follow God, we understand that God has a will. And so if you're following after God, you probably want his will for your life. Well, it would be very naive of us to think that the devil doesn't have a will of his own. 
and he wants to impose his will on us. And the way that he does that is he set tra sets traps to hold us back, to hold us down so we can never gain ground in our growth with the Lord. The third thing that he does is he fights to stop us. Uh, where, where maybe you just, you know how sometimes we'll hear a good teaching, a, a good sermon. I know here it's every single week. But so you're like a good teaching, godly principles. You guys are supposed to be like, yes, and you didn't. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, thank you. Uh, so like you hear a good teaching, a good message, something you're going, man, that was for me. Like the Holy Spirit's speaking to me. And, and you want to apply that to your life. Maybe it's something financial. Maybe you go, Gosh, you know, every once in a while at Grace Church, they talk about money, they talk about finances, but they talk about it in a life-giving way. They talk about getting out of debt. Maybe you just go, I need to get out of debt. I've got too many credit cards. I've got too much, you know, car debt. I have so much student loan debt and, you know, mortgage. Like, I'm, I'm loaded down in debt. I need to get out of debt. And then all of a sudden, what happens the next day? Car trouble. I like, I promise you, I promise you, if you go, I'm gonna get out of car debt, I'm gonna pay, you know, that little bit off of that auto loan. I like the next day, the enemy's gonna fight against you and you're gonna have car trouble. Like, that's just how he works. That's what he does. Maybe you're at the place where you go, I wanna have a great marriage, but right now it's a struggle. And so you go, Gosh, I wanna break free, I wanna get some help. I promise you, all hell will break loose tomorrow. Like, it just, you're going to have the biggest fight you've ever had. But why? Because you're here and you're going, I need this. We need this in our relationship. I want to take steps forward. And the enemy is just going to, he's going to pull out his sword too. He's going to go, all right, let's fight. He fights to stop us. Maybe you get up enough gumption to share your faith with somebody else. Maybe this has happened to you before where you go, gosh, right now it almost seems taboo to talk about Jesus and stuff, but man, now more than ever, people are hungry and thirsty for the Lord and for the good news, and we've got to be willing to share it. And so maybe you, maybe you get, that, get up enough guts to talk to somebody about it, and then what happens? Like their phone goes off, and they go, oh, hold on a second, like, and they grab their phone, and you're going, oh, are you kidding me? Like I was ready. I was going to talk to them, and in the moment seemed right. And then, like, the devil made their phone ring. And so, like, it just, we've got to understand that he's going to fight against us. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18, it's, uh, this is an example of, of Paul, how the enemy fought against him. It says, we wanted very much to come to you, but I, or, or come to you, and I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. And so we need to recognize what the devil's intentions are and how he's going to fight and oppose us. Because if we're, if we're desiring something that's godly and holy and righteous and to break free, there's going to be a way that he wants to block God's word in our life. And so I want to share with you, you know, as part of Grace Church, as the pastor of Grace Church, you know, I did the whole presentation about the capital campaign and the building a legacy. I did it last week. I did it today. And, you know, we want to take steps forward. But if you could also do me a huge favor and be praying. Uh, because do, are we excited about the building itself? Yes. But I'll tell you what, that, that, that is a, a battle line that we have drawn in our city because we want to reach the Space Coast with the radical love of Jesus. And so we want to do amazing things. And so to take that amazing step and, and, and to move forward with that, the enemy has towed that line as well. So I would ask that you would pray. Be praying not just about the building itself, because it, it's just a structure. But what's going to happen as a result of it is supernatural and amazing. 
Because so I just I would ask that you be praying for souls that are going to be saved, for baptisms, for people's marriages that are going to be restored, and forgiveness, physical healings that are going to take place. Like more impact in our community more than ever before. So be praying as we wage war in the area that we live. And so I also wanted to share something with you. We are planning to do a groundbreaking ceremony. Uh, so for a lot of companies and businesses, you know, that's a ribbon cutting and, you know, it's cute and nice and they have some, you know, some, some hors d'oeuvres and stuff. I mean, for us, we're going to do all those things and we're going to pray and we're going to anoint with oil and we're going to I have another surprise, but I'm not going to tell you right now. You're going to have to show up. So the building, like the, the breaking the ground ceremony, like you, you, that's going to be so spiritual and so significant for us. And so that's the third thing. He fights against, the, against us. The fourth thing is he plans to destroy us. I need you to get this because it says in 1 Peter 5, 8, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's looking for weaknesses. When lions go out and hunt, you know, they'll hunt a herd of animals, but what they're doing is they're trying to identify the weak and the young. Why? Because they're more vulnerable, they're more susceptible, they're easier to get. This isn't like a cute little lion cub that's, you know, jumping around the savannas type thing. We're talking about a lion that, a lion that wants to destroy you. He hates you. Once you declare your life for Christ, he hates you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to do everything against you that you would deny God, that you would create separation between you and God. Why? Because we represent everything that's godly. Once we take on Christ, our identity is new. We're made in the image of the Lord, and he hates that. He looks at you and I, and he hates us and wants to destroy us. So this is not some kind of game. This isn't some kind of thing that we throw out there that's no big deal. Like, this is real. He wants to destroy your marriage. He loves divorce. He loves it. That's not what God has for us. He, he, the, the enemy wants to destroy your witness. I mean, like, if you get up enough gumption to, to talk to somebody else, he wants to destroy your testimony. He wants to destroy your children. He wants to expose them to drugs and alcohol and pornography. He wants to destroy your life with debt. Like he wants you to be enslaved in debt where you can't do anything, where you look at your finances and you go, I would love to do building a legacy, but I can't. That's exactly what the enemy wants, to, feel, to help us, to cause us to feel that we can't. And so we're fighting the enemy in, in our finances. He wants you sick. He wants you in pain, suffering. That's not what the Lord has for us. The Lord is our restorer and our healer. Jesus absolutely died and received stripes on his back so that we could be made whole. And no doubt the devil wants to destroy your relationship with God. And I'll tell you what, when I made the analogy about the young and the weak, that's absolutely true. More now than ever before, like the millennial generation, teenagers, young kids, the devil is after them so bad. He wants to snatch them up, snatch them away, where they don't look at God as the number one thing in their life. They, they just talk about God and just these general, vague type, type things where, you know, it's just like, okay, I believe in God, but it's just kind of, there's no connection. There's no real understanding about Jesus and who he is. There's no devout following Christ, laying our life down. And I'll tell you what, for me as a leader in this church and in our community, 
we need the power of the Holy Spirit more now than ever before because the younger generation wants to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what's real. That's what's real to them because you can talk about the Bible to go, that's your Bible. But when God shows up and starts doing signs and wonders and miracles and changing people's lives and, and, and they see it and they experience it for themselves, it's undeniable. So we've got to be open to the spirit realm on what God wants to do and how he wants to do it. And so I want to encourage you with a couple things because I talked about, you know, four characteristics of the devil and I don't want to scare you or anything. I want to, I want to feel you, help you feel empowered. I want you to, to walk out of here with your sword on your shoulder ready to fight. So I, I need you to understand you are not alone in the fight. You are not alone. You are not by yourself. Like God is the one who is fighting for us. And so we have to understand, though, like our king, Jesus is the king of kings. He's the king of light. He, he brings light. Light always defeats darkness. Do not feel intimidated when the enemy comes against you. Feel empowered and, and be reliant upon the Lord and what he wants to do because he's going to shine light in those dark areas and light always defeats darkness. The other thing we've got to recognize is our prayer is way more powerful than we realize. Everybody that I talk to, they almost always say, my prayer life could be better. Our prayer lives are one of the most vital things in our, whether with our relationship with the Lord, talking to him and communicating with him. Our, our soul being open to where the spirit communicates to us, speaking to us through his word, through other people. So I want to encourage you. We do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. That's a phrase that I've used before. And the reason we already have victory is because Jesus already defeated the enemy. We just have to walk in it. Fight from victory. Jesus already won. In, in 1 John 4.4, 4, and this is why it says, but you belong to God, my dear children. You've already won victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in this world. And so there's a battle going on. There's a battle for your soul. Those of you who don't yet know Christ, there's a battle for your soul. Do you feel it? Do you feel the tension? Those of you that, that are trying to take steps forward and grow, you're trying to disciple your kids, there's a battle going on. Recognize where those battles are and let's fight. Let's fight from victory. Let's be totally reliant upon Jesus and who he is as our savior and the Holy Spirit that God gives to us as a gift so that we can walk and be strong. And so I wanna pray for you, for all of us right now, for the areas where we need to grow and for the, for the battle that just might be coming today or tomorrow. So let's be ready. And so let's go before the Lord. God, we praise you. Father, I honor you. I lift you up. Lord, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And God, we wanna acknowledge there are times that we take our eyes off of you, but right now we walk into your throne room. We see you there on the throne. Jesus, you're amazing. Thank you so much for being God's son. Thank you so much for coming to earth and laying your life down for us. And even more than that, thank you for showing your power and your, the victory over sin and death and so that we can have that. And so we put our faith in you. We put our trust in you. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, you give us your Holy Spirit so that we can live. God, would you pour out your spirit on us right now? We're talking about the Holy Spirit being revealed. And so, God, would you peel back the, 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 our eyes where our eyes have been shielded? Lord, our souls, our mind have been covered, and, and we haven't allowed ourselves to see. But you're doing something miraculous right now. 
through the power of your Holy Spirit, causing salvation, causing restoration, reconciliation in relationships, healing in marriages. God, because we need you. We need your spirit more than ever before. And Father, right now we do. We, 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 we put on all of your armor that it talks about in Ephesians 6. Lord, that we would be guarded, but that we would also fight. Lord, we want to have a shield and we want to have faith. But Lord, we also want the power of your Holy Spirit and the sword so that we can attack. And so, Father, we just, we gird ourselves, we, we, we empower ourselves, we put everything on so that we can fight, so that we can war for you, for your glory, for your kingdom, that you would be lifted up, that you would get the praise, the glory, and the honor for the victories that are coming in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.